now, our feature presentation. Welcome to another episode of the Florida Sound Archive podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kaiser, and today's guest comes to us all the way from Gainesville, Florida, and she is most known for bands such as Muttley Chicks, one of my personal favorites, Shit Kicker, Overdose, Half Crocs, The Howleys, Piss Test, and a lot more. We have here Deborah Fetzer. Deborah, welcome into the Florida Sun Archive. Howdy. Howdy. How are Thanks you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on the podcast because uh, I recently had Jeff Hodap, as you know, and uh, I know that uh, you are a longtime Roach Motel fan. You were at one of their earliest gigs, right? Oh, absolutely. They are definitely the band that changed my life. And I say that because I'm still playing. And literally when I saw them, the light bulb going off in the head and changed my life for being able to play music. Wow. You know, just seeing them and realizing for number one, they were so fun. They were so much fun. They had the best sense of humor and mainly just realizing that they weren't that good. So that meant like anybody could do it and it, made me want to do it myself, you know, and play music, which had never occurred unless up to then it felt like you had to be a virtuoso to play music. So it was, it was uh, awesome. I, I love those guys. And definitely the sense of humor that they had is, is the best. Like you can't take yourself too seriously. Sure. What was it like being a girl going to a punk rock show in that period? Um, it was great. Uh, it was fun. I had never had any problems that I remember now. I mean, I loved it. It was, it, it, we were lucky, um, in that sense, because everybody was really helpful to help us once we decided we wanted to start playing music, you know, by lending us equipment and showing us how to play. Jeff Podap taught me how to play more beer, which we covered for years, which is only like three chords. So. <laughs> but one of the finest Rush Motel songs, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I still write about beer, so you know there's something pretty influential. Stuff. What's your favorite beer? Uh, right now, it's Miller High Life. Okay. I tend to, I, tend, I, don't, I don't drink good beer. Okay. So I drink a lot. So I just drink a lot of cheap beer. Hence, hence the Roach Motel story. Right. <laughs> Now you're not originally from Gainesville. You're, uh, I remember we were chatting uh, before the podcast, and you had moved around quite a bit. So where are you originally from? Um, well, my dad was in the military. He was in the Air Force, so I was born in England, and I grew up in Italy. Came back to the states where I lived in South Carolina for a brief time. That was big culture turn there, and then moved to Florida. Went to high school down in South Florida. Cardinal Gibbons, and I um, moved up here to go to college, and so I've been. So I consider myself a Floridian, really now, you know, Gainesvillian. Sure. 
Yeah. Did you ever experience any local music in South Florida before you went to UF? Um, we used to, in high school, we would go down to the strip and sneak into the button and because we were definitely underaged, um, mainly only got to see cover bands. There was this band named Twist that used to play at the button and they were cover. It was like during the new wave days, right? I never saw Charlie Pickett or anybody down there, or we would go to the New Wave Lounge on the weekends if we could get out. But I never saw the bands like The Eater or anybody who played there because they would play usually during the week, I think. And so we could never get out, you know, because we were in high school. <clears throat> but I certainly know a lot of South Florida bands to come out of there since, but I never really saw them back. I was too young, really, kind of back then. Sure. And then when you finally got up to Gainesville, what was that like for you? Imagine quite different than being in South Florida. Uh, yeah, it was, I kind of feel like it was life-saving in a way. Uh, just, it's a way different lifestyle. Um, and it was more empowering. It's more intellectual environment, I think, since there's college here. Um, but the punk rock, being able to, you know, seeing music and realizing that you could, you don't have to be great to play it was awesome. It was just, bunchy, you know, just changed everything, you know. Before you experienced a live Roach Motel show, what bands were you listening to in that early formidable period for yourself? Uh, probably, you know, what was that radio stuff, probably, but like Stones, you know, the new wave stuff, Cars and I did see the cars down at the Hollywood Sportatorium before. And, you know, I used to go to concerts and stuff like that. But um, just once I got into the local stuff and seeing that you could do it yourself and going, putting on a show, I often um, hearken it to like the Little Rascals. I don't know if you remember, they were like the Little Rascals. And yes. then they'd all get together and put on their little show and that's how it always feels to me when, or, you know, punk rock should have that feel a little bit like you're putting it on, you're doing it yourself, you get your friends, you know, you're figuring out the sound, you're working the door. We used to, because um, in Motley Chicks, we, we had a fanzine called No Worries. It was really Lois, our singer, our first singer, her fanzine. And so she, we would book shows and we would have them at the Legion Hall and or wherever we could get a space, we'd run out, we'd have to get someone to do sound, we'd have to work the doors, but but we would get a hold of bands that are coming through like Agnostic Front or you know, big, but which now is big, but they weren't that big then, they were just coming through. But you know, work the door, everybody would come back then. There weren't even shows going on in the South. So people like from Tampa would come up here for the shows. It was just like a big, you know, feeling like you're putting on a, a show, which we were. And back in that time period, clearly the Muttley Chicks weren't the first all-female punk band. But thinking about that period in Gainesville, were there any other all-female punk bands that were around at that time or that predated the Muttley uh, Chicks? Not predated. Actually, this lady named Nancy Luca, I think she had a band called The Cows, if I'm not mistaken. I'm getting this right and I they think they were all girls but um after a very soon after us Cindy Brady's list was they were kind of like our sister band and uh, all good friends also who were around at the same time as we were for a long time 
I do remember hearing about them, and I loved their uh, their band name. It was quite I know. Quite clever. Is it great? <laughs> it is great. Yeah. <laughs> And having opened up for a lot of those bands that later on became household names and punk and hardcore, uh, like Agnostic Front, The Circle Jerks, and a slew of others, uh, did you have any personal favorites that come to mind when you think back in your memory? Well, definitely Bad Brains. I mean, that show is just insane. And just seeing, having no idea what you're getting into. Like, can you imagine, like, knowing nothing about the band and seeing them? And the energy and what they played, how they played it, just phenomenal, like mind blowing. Like nothing lives up to it. Nothing lives up to it. Just, just tremendous. Anybody right. knows bad brains knows what I'm talking about. Definitely. Did you get so, to have? Any, did you get to have any conversations with any of the members of Bad Brains during oh, that yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. That was the beauty of it. That's also part of this little rascals putting on a show thing that I'm talking about because. We'd always, you always talk to everybody in the band, always. Like, and that's the beauty of punk rock, right? There's no line between the people playing and the people that, the audience. Like, you get to know people. They're part of the scene, right? So, and even to this day, like, Fang was in town. This was a few years ago. When these, and Agnostic Front, they come to town, they remember you. Like they remember meeting you and how many towns and places have they been, right? But they still remember you. And that's beautiful, right? Definitely. That's why it's great, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned the American Legion Hall as one of the venues that you'd play at. What were some of the other ones back in that early period that come to mind where some of these shows were being, were being held at? Well, usually they were uh, American Legion Hall or whatever hall, uh, West Side Rec Center. You know, we'd go and we would go, you'd have to go down to the city and tell them, oh, we're having a dance party. And then you'd have the show and hope sh shit would get broken. And of course, things would go nuts and we'd have to clean up afterwards and it'd be like blood and, you know, broken shit. And then you'd, you'd hope that you could, we would pay the guy if sometimes they had to have somebody in there and we'd give them an extra 20 to stay and, you know. It was very putting on your own show kind of thing. Yeah, very DIY. Uh, you know, yeah. back you know, certainly. Uh, were there any shows that perhaps uh, you think back and it's just uh, kind of want to forget one of those ones? <laughs> um, I don't know if I. Not possible. I more want to remember like the beauty of it all. But I remember one. It was either. I, I'm not sure who it was. It was at the American Legion and there was like a circle pit, of course. So there's like a, a circle of crazy people going around like that. And then Troy got the American flag and he picks it up because it's on the side of the stage because it's American Legion. Hall. And then he's like, you know, uh, going around around in the pit. There's the American flag. And of course, we're in charge and we're like, fuck, the flag, you know, like. Well, but what are we going to do? Go make them give it back. You know, we had to just wait and see what happened. Luckily, nothing bad happened, but, you know, it's, it's, it was funny, but it's a beautiful memory. Yeah, definitely sounds like that was a memorable, uh, yeah. a memorable night for sure. Uh, and you think back to some of these, these shows that you went to and a lot of the people that helped to put them on, uh, who were some of those people that helped to kind of bring these bands in at that time? Cause a lot of those bands were quite national or maybe they were just more well-known. They were touring more of the well, U S at that time. 
yeah, they were touring, but I, they weren't that known at the time. Mm. I guess mainly, well, for that, I, as I recall, you know, we had the fanzine. So through that, we would, I, Lo, Lois would find out, I don't know how they were, they were coming through. We get a hold of them, and then we had friends who um, could run the sound. Mike, uh, Mike Murphy, and Greg Seaton, they could run the sound. And then we, I think we eventually started realizing we needed a PA. You know, getting the PA, we'd rent it from Every Man Sound. Who the guy was like, I think he, you know, it took him a while to feel confident in letting us do that. But we worked it out. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it wasn't great equipment. It, I know that it wasn't all great in sound, but back then, you know, people just kind of went with what they could get. Sure. Basically. Right. Absolutely. Uh, what do you remember about the first Motley Chicks demo cassette? Um, we recorded it with Greg and Mike, the same guys who ran sound in their house. He had a four track and it was first time we definitely had ever recorded and it was great and fun. And we didn't know what we were doing, but it was awesome. <laughs> Did you have anybody who you were kind of surrounding yourself with that may have been in other bands that was helping to give you some tips or suggestions along the way? Or was it totally just winging it? We were winging it. But those guys, of course, were in bands. And like the doldrums were in tech. We were friends. Everybody we were friends with were in bands. So their music, obviously, you know, the scene and their music helped us but we still definitely didn't know really what we were doing you know but we had fun trying sure. i think the doldrums if i'm not mistaken was i think their seven inch was the first one ever released on no idea records that's correct and Motley chicks is the second as i, I like to point out there you go <laughs> doldrums was one of the best bands to never come out of canesville because they 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 were a great band great guys um, Russell, who passed away, was a great guitar player. The, I played with him in All Star 69, which was killer. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I got a chance to catch some of the some video that was available from All Star 69 on YouTube because there really wasn't a lot a lot out there. So uh but yeah so the doldrums was definitely that first band to come out of no idea. What do you remember about the early period of no idea records? Um well, Ed, Ken and Barr were friends. And I remember sitting in them because we did no worries. And if I may say so, and someone could prove me wrong, but we were kind of influential on them to do no idea as since we had no worries. And they, we met up with them and we're giving them tips on how we were doing the fanzine. And, but they're, needless to say, theirs took off like a rocket, <laughs> you know? Um, good guys. I never had any problems with them, but you know, they certainly did a great job at what they're doing. They were doing till the end, I suppose. Sure. Yeah, definitely had uh, quite a lot of bands that kind of cultivated the quote unquote Gainesville sound in many respects. But uh the second release was that the Mutley Chicks Crimshine seven inch yeah. split. Yep. Yes. What what was your memory of uh of that seven inch? Uh, my memory is I wish we would have known we were, what we were doing because we did not, we were just, we happened to be recorded with some, it was some English guy in a 
garage. I don't even know what we were doing. But Barr asked us and we were just like, hey, use this. Like, had I known, had we known that it was going to be no idea and it could go far and become this whole institution, I think might have double thought about, you know, what we would do in a Navy, try to do it in a studio and a little better. But we didn't. And that's what it is. Did you all, did you all, was that recorded live, right? That was a live track, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds live. It sounds live. Up there. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds live. <laughs> yeah, it was, I'm sure. Uh, did you play a lot of shows at that time with other bands that were also uh, on No Idea Records? And if so, what were some of those bands you also played with besides the doldrums? Well, back then it wasn't even No Idea Records because it was just they had that fanzine and they were gotcha. starting to put those out. But it was way before they were doing everybody. They were producing a lot of people. But we always play with. Yeah, we always play with local bands for sure. And we'd always get if someone was come from out of town then you'd have the headliners and then everybody else would be local and bands from Tampa usually who were like our brother bands because they that was just a line of people people always came to Gainesville from Tampa and Tallahassee not so much South Florida for whatever reasons far maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is is kind of a drive so what about when you were going down and playing shows perhaps in tampa or orlando st pete those parts of florida what were some of those shows like oh they were we always had a good time in tampa tampa has always been a good place to play for any bands I've been in, they're always very open, even though like a little more metal, I would say, um, but very open-minded to um, different kinds of music, a little bit more than a lot of places, I think, strangely. I know that they get a bad rap or whatever, Tampa, but I, I love it there. I, I like, I appreciate the open-mindedness of people that come to see you and are open to different kinds of music without, you know, thinking everything's got to be the same. I think Gainesville has a little trap of sometimes of pop punk or, you know, not a little less open-minded somewhat. Didn't used to be, but it, it's kind of, has it sometimes become that? Yeah. <laughs> I think the furthest south, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the Muttley Chicks may have played, was that like Melbourne? Um that Melbourne show where there's that skinhead flyer was crazy. We didn't even play it because of course we that was only like I mean there of course there used to be skinheads at shows all the time. That's just the way it was back then. But this was like they had all these everything set up, they had all this really crazy propaganda skinhead propaganda of course um english and it was in our band she's an african-american woman uh you know and we were like what the fuck and you know and basically at one point i don't know what happened we had driven there it took forever yada yada it was out in the middle of nowhere and uh i just remember we were like fuck this fuck this all this propaganda bullshit and she took the they had like all these crazy sayings that written down on cardboard and like ripped it up and we just left because we realized it was like way and usually you know as i say they're skinheads at the show it's not like they're they're there for the music usually and they're not pushing their ideas 
but this was like purely it almost was like a clan rally is what it felt like it was not cool it was not cool to get the fuck out of there yeah did you ever witness anything happen any bad flights or anyone get roughed up at a show like that oh sure i mean definitely fights always that was pretty common especially in tampa but even here um uh, you know sure definitely steam fights skinheads involved fights yeah 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 so the melbourne show never actually happened where motley chicks played is that correct right we did not play that show we left so was that was that the only gig that you the band was booked for to play down there or did you get back down there at a different time oh yeah no no that was the only time we went down there yeah yeah we didn't you know particularly but besides tampa i don't know that we actually played out too much we did try to tour out to california which was disastrous we a friend of ours warren had a VW bus and he had just put a new engine in it and you're not supposed to go over 55 and of course you're going to go across the country we convinced him to do it we went over 55 basically we got towed all the way across the states because the van kept breaking down and uh, we were also trying to make one of the old Muttley Chicks Sharon's wedding which we did not make because we didn't get there in time we only played two shows and it was not a very well-planned excursion. <laughs> <laughs> who did you, uh, who do you remember playing with at those California shows? Uh, in California, we, we did play Chico with Skin Yard. They were a pretty well-known band back then. That was really fun. I mean, the shows were great. And we played Gilman Street Warehouse, which, you know, that's pretty notorious. With Scream, who we knew very well because they used to play in town. We did the shows with them and we're friends with them. Um, so those are the two shows that we played on our tour. <laughs> and that was the and that was the only tour the Motley Chicks ever right. played at that I was time. Also, I also was stopping breastfeeding my daughter at the time because she was like about two, but I just left. And so we had this whole thing where I was like having to pump. Yeah, you know, when during the breakdown once we all toasted with my breast milk and, you know, great times. <laughs> Speaking of your daughter, what does she think of her mother's career as a punk rocker? You'd have to really ask her, but I mean, I think she she respects it. It's not her cup of tea, I don't think. Um, I think she respects it. Uh, she, the, the Jessica from uh, Lesson J did a book called My Mother Wears Combat Boots about kids who have punk rock moms and she's interviewed in that. So we might get a better clue on that. But, you know, it's kind of rough to have somebody be your mom and then, you know, you live in a small town, you're kind of notorious, good or bad. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's uh, Not yeah. easy, I'm sure. right 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 uh and the Muttley chicks while we're on the topic did some did like a reunion show did your daughter get a chance to experience yes. the band what was yes. her thoughts of that of that reunion loved it. it was great i was really glad to be able for her to see it and also at the time it, i was 2050 but also i really wanted to do that reunion and I just in the, in the thought that, oh, maybe, you know, because one of us, you know, we're not going to last forever. One of us 
may not be here anymore. And sure enough, not long after that, Cindy, who I played in many bands with, passed away um, from cancer. And that really sucked. Like she went in like four or five months. But that said, I'm so glad we did, again, did, made the effort to have that reunion because you do, you never know. Right. That's right. Never know. Yeah. Never know. Uh, has there ever been any talk about doing a Motley Chicks discography release of everything, or maybe even just like a, a band camp digitally where you can listen to all the songs that the bands put out over the years? No, but that's a damn good idea. Uh, anybody want to help me with that <laughs> it's hard to track down all the stuff because some of it's really hard to come by yeah, uh, some of the cassettes yeah i actually have most of our stuff i do i i and even um i i definitely archived a lot anything i've been my band stuff and even after thank god i did have a house fire and but i did manage to save that ship which i feel was like the the saving one of the best things I could have saved out of that. I was lucky. Definitely, yeah. You so all the archives that you have because the things you shared with me, the flyers, the photos, were these all things that you had pre-scanned digitally, or do you still have these uh, hard copies? Oh, I still have all the hard copies of all that stuff. That those were already that was just because they were out there on the internet and I could download them. But I have even more, way more, an archive of stuff that has yeah. not. And, you know, those are the things that would make a great booklet with a release of the yeah, <laughs> yeah I do have a, a, a dream. I think I can do it of doing a, a Mutley Chicks book. I feel like I couldn't do it until after Piss Test Guys. I don't feel like I could do one project at a time, sort of. But I really want to do that. So, and that way I won't, after this one kick, after this band goes, I wouldn't have, only have to have a new focus and do that and not worry about getting another band together for it right away, you know? Yeah, definitely. And while we're on the topic of some of the early period, uh, one of the venues that you played at many, many times over, the Hardback Cafe. What, oh, are yeah. some, what are some of your memories of playing the original hardback, maybe even the one that came later, but more so the original hardback location. And also you, uh, you work, didn't you, didn't you work there too, to some degree or help promote shows there? Um, I might, you could might say I could help promote shows, but I'm just very good mm -hmm. friends with Alan and the whole family. I never worked there. Um, but everybody was kind of like one there, especially the original one. Uh, great place. Alan's, any you know very open to all kinds of different acts and you know plays not just music but you know weird shit that people do like once they had a crucifixion I didn't go to that but that was notorious uh some reenactment of the crucifixion with a bunch of people um I'd say the craziest show I saw at Harbeck, well, a memorable one was when the guy from Into Barbie shaved his pubes on stage. And that was big, a big, a big moment in history. <laughs> you know, uh, it was a great place. Alan's great. He's he's had like two or three other hardbacks. He's looking right now. The last one went under for various reasons, but he's still, I think he's still going to be opening up it up again as soon as he finds the right spot. It's always great. It always encourages what anybody who want is trying to do whatever they're trying to do. 
art-wise to have a place to be able to go and do it, which is, which is great. Yeah. Uh, who are some of your favorite bands at that time to see play the hardback that were also from Gainesville or maybe other bands that were just from Florida that made their way up North to uh, play a show? Hmm. Well, I mean, I always, I always support almost everyone. I'm open to everybody. Uh, Certainly, like Into Barbie, uh, Claramel. Back then, Overdose was the band I was playing in mostly. Chicks played there, like, I think maybe the one of maybe our last year or two, because most of our shows were before the hardback. Um, whatever bands were playing, Radon, Claramel, you know, every, whoever was around then um, and played, because we always pretty much supported everybody always tried to i still try to right sure even sure. being older i still go out and try to go out and uh see bands and support them support them i'm sure as being around as long as you have you've seen a revolving door of bands come come through uh have there been have there been any bands that have come after the motley chicks that were all female from gainesville oh yeah Oh yeah, I'm sure. I know like Ben Builder ass. Um right right now there's but right Michelle who I play drums, who plays drums with Piscus has another band called Antagonizer and another one called Illstar. They're all girls. Um uh, Cindy's Brady Lisps. Right, 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 right. Um yeah. I'm sure I'm missing someone. <laughs> sometimes it's hard for me to remember because sometimes there's like a male drummer or a male bass player and right. it's like rest female. So it's hard to, and sometimes some of those bands have had different members come through and it's hard oh. to like nail down. Okay. This was a all female band the entire time they were around. Right. So, uh, well, it chicks were except for twice. We had uh, Victor from, uh, Doldrums and Chad, who was from millions of bands, he was in Rich Motel actually as a drummer. Um, fill in when once something happened and somebody couldn't play, and we'd make them wear a dress and a wig. <laughs> and what was that? What was that like when the dynamic changed to having a a, a, a guy? A, a, Everybody a guy thought show. it was funny. Everybody thought it was funny. No, we weren't upholding any. You know, it was it's funny. Sure. <laughs> we needed to play the show and you know somebody either they were sick or whatever out of town i guess <laughs> <laughs> as you're playing in, in in a lot of the bands that early on uh did your parents or your family did they at all know uh what you were doing and did they have any interest to ever see you play um they know what i they knew what I, they'd never understand it I guess it's kind of a, I guess it's a good thing because, well, you know how people rebel, right? So I guess that helped because no, I think they think definitely never looked upon favorably, you know, like couldn't understand it. And, you know, well, let's face it, drug, sex, rock and roll, and they think it's something bad, which is, yeah, can't say it's not true. But it's, I mean, besides, they don't see the benefit of it, which I find a lot of, benefit in doing it so now they don't understand and you could see the uh passion that you have because and so many of the photos that that you have out there that you know i don't know the ones you shared as well uh just the energy just 
in photo form, just seeing it live would be a, probably a whole different experience. So talk about your, your, your stage presence and how you kind of bring that to some of the shows, especially when you were uh, the singer of the band, which Piss Test you're the singer for. So uh, what is that like for you as you're kind of getting ready to get on stage and, and sing? Well, first of all, it's just grunting. I wouldn't really call it singing. And I kind of worked my way up there because I definitely didn't start out having the, the personality for that. I started and also only played guitar. They played guitar and bass through a lot of those bands and towards the later bands, it just started singing. And it's, well, I guess it's harder to sing and play, you know, unless you're really good. And then I just started fronting <clears throat> and just liking it. I don't, uh, or being able to do it after seeing so many bands that I admire so much and front people that I admire so much. And through the years, noting, I think, what works and things that work and how to engage people, also wanting to have a sense of humor about it. Not that I wouldn't listen to stuff that's serious, but I feel like something's lost there for me. Like, you gotta have at least, even if you're playing like heavy metal or something, you gotta have a sense of humor at times, right? Sure. Who were right. some of those? Who were some of those uh, early influences for you, singing-wise at that time, or you know, vocals? I wouldn't say vocals, obviously, because I can't. You know, obviously, don't sing. It's just fronting. Um, but people in bands, anything that works, um, you know, from just I think I like I like the hardcore bands, American hardcore type bands with a front person like that who's out front. Also, Dan Destructo from No Fraud certainly was influential. We're friends. And so he's an entertainer. So then, you know, he goes. So that that was definitely influential, I'd have to say. Um, anything that works, you know, where works in capturing people's attention. Uh, it, it, granted, it, also people probably don't want their ears to hurt if you can't sing well, you know, but to figure out what you can do okay and have fun at it yeah yeah we'll get back to that in just a second you mentioned uh no fraud real fraud was from venice beach right yes yes absolutely did you ever get a chance to see them play and if so what were those shows like many times uh many times uh great i don't know i recommend they're still out there trying to do it right now number one uh crazy always Dan Sharko is a really entertaining frontman, and their music's great. It's thrash, so if you like thrash, you would love them. They're good. They're really good. I was was wondering what because I have a a live record they put out that was from their early '80s, mid '80s period. So, uh, did you get a chance to see them way back when when they were first starting out as well? Yes, yes. They we played with them before. I think back then, or they would come up here. Absolutely. Um, I He'd be a great guest for you to have on. Has Would love to. Has a lot to say. So, um, and a, a rich history of punk. I think, you know, they're, and they're a great band. They're a great band. 
get us connected, Deb, and he'll be a guest. <laughs> I will easily do that. I will easily do that. Appreciate that. Uh, so, so getting back to your stage presence and what have you, one of the things that you are known for is your high kicks. So how did you learn how to high kick the way that you do? Because it's very, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's intense. Uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, it's a shtick, you know. So you go again, like entertaining. You know, it's a shtick. Um, I just started doing it really towards the end here. I haven't like didn't do it. I used to be able to do cartwheels, not on stage, but I can't after injuries and stuff. I guess that after not being able to do that, so I just turned to high kicks as you know, like a exclamation you know it's it's a shtick <laughs> did a kick ever go wrong where you accidentally did kick somebody i've come close to people's face because i'll do it on the dance floor too i do it, it it just you know it's an accent also it's an accent in time so to speak i've come close to people's face but pretty good at realizing how far i can go <laughs> I've never, I've never hurt only like my own hip, but you know, I've never kicked anyone in the face or anything. <laughs> and as you've gotten older, do you do any kind of pre gig warm up? as you know, you're going to be throwing a couple of kicks. Would you do any kind of uh, exercises before you get on stage now? I don't warm up or anything, but I do a lot. Okay. Of yoga. I do a lot of yoga on my own, like a lot. And I, you know, I definitely try to take care of, like, I wouldn't be, and even then it still hurts sometimes. Like after a show, I got to soak for sure. Yeah. Results, you know. And uh, speaking of yoga, Samantha Jones from Gainesville mm -hmm. was also a prior guest. Jerry, yeah. you get to do yoga with her? I never actually have. Uh, both of, she, she's not teaching now and I taught for a while. I, I do hot yoga. It's different, it's different style. Um, so I never took her classes. I know they were great. I know she's great. I know she's a very good yogi if you have, you shouldn't compare, but, but I do hot yoga. Like I, I'm into the heat and uh, hot yoga helps me. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I think I tried yoga once and I don't know if I gave it a fair shot, but uh, I, uh, I've seen a lot of YouTube videos and definitely takes a, a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, skill or strength it takes endurance. endurance it takes endurance which is why i why i have i do it so when i can when i do play i have stamina because you know i can sit see you know it, so it does help be able to uh, you know prance around for a half hour <laughs> kick those high kicks and and right. be exerting the energy out of your body you know yelling yeah takes takes some work so it helps that's why the endurance very helpful with endurance there we go now we know your secret ah. <laughs> it's been revealed <laughs> so what, what kind of jobs did you have you know when you were in the motley chicks and even later on uh as a 90s kind of rolled in what what type of work were you doing to to kind of uh align with your playing and all that well, um, we live in Gainesville, which is the University of Florida, where I was, I worked for 30 years. I recently retired after working 30 years. I did like, basically, for the most part, IT stuff, which I hate computers. So there you have it. Uh, 
I worked worked in a registrar's office and the library, but I was doing IT stuff in those places. And, uh, but for 30 years, I mean, and two husbands, two marriages, 30 years, that was, so office work, basically, office work. What was it like being an alumni of UF and then going back and working at the school that you spent all those years at? Uh, it seemed natural because uh, it just mm-hmm. just seemed to be natural. I, you know, it's what I did. I know I had a kid, you know, I had, you know, regular life stuff. And it was, thank God, as soon as I, I mean, literally to the day was like April Fool's Day 2020 or 20, whenever COVID hit 2018. I got quite out literally that, that day I was gone. Think well, but you know, I, I, it's cool to be have money coming in and not have to work and still be. That's why I try to keep active and you know stay healthy to keep kicking. Sure. Well, congratulations on your retirement. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, and when you retired, did you increase your playing and your band because i think you've been in a lot of bands that came later on uh especially some that have been more recent so did you kind of pump up the the band play well well, i was in pissed as like i said it was right when covid hit so nobody was pumping up anything uh you know know (laughs) although our band kept playing we managed it and we got a Got a lot of flack for that, you know, because it was uh, for obvious reasons. People didn't, whatever. I'm not going to get into that, but sure. Um, I I'll say to the equal amount. Uh, sometimes having more to do, I'm a little, you know, a little more disciplined. Uh, um, I don't know. It's about the same. Yeah, and Pistas put out a seven-inch record, so that was probably one of your first bands in many, many years that put out a physical yes. copy of something, so how important was that to have something released like that? Um, It was great. No, I mean, it, yeah, it's important. We have one that's already now, like, a, a next one are, that's supposed to, it's like an over, over a year old now, and it hasn't come out yet, but, you know, same, one of those sad punk rock stories, um, but it may, hopefully it will. It's been recorded and the artwork's almost done now. So we, now we've got a different bass player. So, but we might put it out. Who knows? Is it another seven inch? Um, hopefully I think that is what we were trying to do. Yes. The seven inch, of course, okay. well with COVID and shit, and then there was a vinyl shortage and, you know, lots of things. Right. A lot of delays. <laughs> a lot of delays. And it's weird, you know, of course, those songs are all old now and we're doing different stuff. So it's just the nature of the game. Yeah. That's punk rock, though. It's timeless music, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no one will know when it was when you recorded it. Uh, right. Unless you're going back to the early 80s and the first first wave of, you know, hardcore punk, then that has definitely a more dated sound, I feel like. But uh, right. So, uh, another band you played with that I think did play some shows out was uh half cocked half cocked yeah, yeah. Half, well yes there was half cocked and half cocked i think the howleys might have played out a little more we actually toured mm. with that that was only that wasn't that long ago i think it was still in the two, early 2000s mid 2000s 
we in Hallie's we played in DC and New York. That was really cool that we actually managed to do a little tour. Whereas with the rest of the bands, we don't always seem to get that together. Yeah. Why do you think why do you think it came together with the Howleys versus some of the other bands you were with? Um, I think because the girls in the band or two other girls in the band and they're very industrious ladies who made it happen. I definitely like the Howleys because you can pick you can hear some of the music from uh the band camp. Uh um, yeah, uh, more garage style punk. Yes. So were you into that a lot as well? Because that's definitely a bit of a different sound than your traditional hardcore yes. punk of some of the other bands you played with. Yeah, yeah. I love garage. I like most music. I like surf, you know, and punk or hard rock, like metal. Sure. Yeah. It, yeah. It was garagey. We were trying yeah. for that, so I'm glad you thought so. Yes, definitely had that sound. <laughs> could, we have, could we ever hear you in a heavy metal band? Sure. If somebody would have me, for sure. I'd definitely <laughs> do that. You got the chops, and it definitely got the kicks. So. <laughs> All right. Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, uh, yeah, there was there's a lot of other bands that you've played in over the years as well. Uh, you know, the, the, there was uh, I think I found a, a clip of uh, Shit Kicker on on uh, YouTube. So, how long did that band exist for? Shit Kicker, uh, they that was after Motley Chicks, and the cool thing about that was because especially, you know, it was one of the first band and we were, you know, it was so great and everyone loved us and we were great, you know, so afterwards that feeling, the breakup feeling, the band's gone and I didn't even have a concept of being able to do anything else. I thought that was it. That was the end, you know, that's the end of the music. Uh, that band died. That's how it felt. And Eddie Ray, who was in Chick Cooker, asked me to play bass, which up to then I was playing guitar. So he you know, gave me the opportunity to do something else, which for some reason I just, in my head at the time, I just couldn't even imagine. So it really helped. And Bethany, who used to drum for Motley Chicks, was in Shit Kicker. So that helped have a sister there, you know, and it was great. So there was a little, it was very helpful to realize that it wasn't the end of the music career, so to speak. Yeah. No, because uh, there was like, what 10 bands that came after so <laughs> right but at the time and still i still feel that way whenever a band like i'm never one to leave a band i always want to drag it out forever I'm never one much more loyal to bands than probably you know marriages or whatever i just always want the band to keep going yeah probably way too much when they need to get put down <laughs> uh Talk about some of your favorite uh, record shops that that you had frequented back in the day in Gainesville, uh, and how important some of those were. Maybe you played any any uh, shows and any any shops uh, over the years. Uh, probably Hide and Zeke's definitely was a local one where uh, just everybody worked there. Always went there. Was there forever. The guys that ran it were super cool and awesome. Um, that's where I mean that's back then like I know that's how Overeaters we had got together we had an ad like looking for people to play musicians when you would go and you know tack it on the bulletin board that you were looking for a band and uh 
looking for people, like-minded people, and you know. So hide and seeks was great. Let's see, we, um, Pat Hughes had one. I forget the name of that place, but um, you know, hide and seeks was kind of like the mainstay. That was the main one. Yeah, I know a lot of bands uh, locally can sometimes uh, have shows at record at record shops and what have you. So I was curious about uh, what you did over the years there. Yeah, they uh, don't really do that. They, we never did that here. I, I used to open mm. records. I know they did that down South Miami a lot. I, mm. I, I know that was a thing, but it that was something that never really happened here. Gotcha. Uh, I know that uh, the Fest, which is in Gainesville, has existed for a while. And sometimes the lineups are so long, I can't remember who plays anymore. So has uh, any of the bands you've ever played in played at one of the Fests before? No. Why not? I'm not sure. Uh, you'd have to ask Tony, the guy who runs it. But mm -hmm. I think he doesn't have a particular, uh, either doesn't care for me so much, or maybe my bands probably mm -hmm. would be my answer. But that's his prerogative. Gotcha. About, about the punkest thing he can be is to not to be banned from the fast, right? <laughs> I guess so. Oh, so I was wondering. I I started going through some of the some of the prior uh, posters. I'm like, I didn't see any of your bands on there. I'm like, that seems odd because you know you're Gainesville through and through, and right. so. Again, you have to ask him. I'm not sure. But it. it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Can't well, please everybody. That's the truth. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, piss test working on. Uh, well, already has those songs already in the can and ready to come out. But we're not sure yet when those songs will be released. Any gigs upcoming or any tours that piss test may have that you wanted to talk no about? Tours. That, yeah, that, we just got a new bass player, so you know that's a thing. Um, we are playing, we do have shows this summer. We're playing next week here. We're playing in Tampa uh, in June. We're playing the Florida Underground Fest in Orlando in August. So we got stuff for the summer. But, but you know, having a, the suddenly needing a new bass player is always, you know, it's like, a, you know, a step backwards to get forwards. Right. We're in that working in the new bass player phase. When you think about touring, like back then and then touring now, what are some approaches that are just different that you wouldn't have that you wouldn't do today, but you did back then? Well, I actually don't have. I wish I had more touring experience because I, none of my bands could ever get their shit together enough. Really, and anytime we did, it didn't usually go well. But I mean, obviously, it's got to be um, easier. Just back then, you had to have a map. You know, there was no GPS, or, you know, there was no, con you know, you were calling people from a payphone to find out how to get to where you were supposed to be. That's, that was hard. And people who used to do it all the time, hats off, because that's crazy compared to how easy it is now. Um, yeah, I don't have any touring tips. <laughs> <laughs> and you all get in the, you all get into one, one vehicle or how do you normally do it nowadays? Um, we usually have two, two different cars is how we, how we get around. Makes There's sense. Probably, probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. So. 
Uh, I think of like, there's like a family trip. Sometimes you kind of wish you took two cars. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, if you were really touring and you, you, you know, you probably all want to be in one unit. Yes. I don't know. Cause we don't get to do that, but you know, right. like far, far. Sure. <laughs> Uh, I want to quickly go back to uh, something that is on the back behind you and uh, some of the flyers, a flyer that you shared uh, with me was when the Motley Chicks played with the Flaming Lips, you know, not a Florida band, but definitely one of those bands that got really, 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 really big. And, uh, and, but you played with them back when they were just a band from Norman, Oklahoma. So what was it like playing with the Flaming Lips back then? And uh, are you a fan now? Um, yeah, it was great. I don't have particularly a lot of memories from it, except for it was a big show and it was packed. It was a Legion Hall. Um, I don't remember playing it for much, to tell you the truth. And, it, it, you know, it was great, fun, big show. Just big show would be my best memory of it. And certainly to know that they've gone on to become so huge, you know, is, is remarkable, right? Um, I, I like them, sure. It's not really what I listen to all the time by any means. Sure, sure. But it is some, actually, uh, that poster, my daughter gave it to me as a housewarming for my new house. Um, but it's from a place online where they redo uh, actual shows that I guess they find. I mean, usually most of them are like Ramones or Iggy Pop, Blondie, shit like that. But they had this because it's flaming lips and it's from an actual show and it was, you know, Molly Chicks. That's pretty cool. Pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. It that is. is pretty awesome. Uh yeah, I know when I saw the the poster, I was like, well, we sent the the flyer. I was like, wow, that's that's pretty neat. Any chance to because I mean I never seen many flyers for the flaming lips back then. I've seen some of the record, but never seen the flyers. Wow. So that was interesting right. to see to see that. So uh right. and, and they came now, to like Gainesville. To me, to me, play our bad brains flyer means more to me, but that's because I love bad brains. So I like and circle jerks. Like I think hell, we actually played with them back in the at the time when they were in their prime. How how cool is that? <laughs> What was that like playing with the circle jerks? It was great. It was fun. Great show. Great. Yeah, it's great. Just, you know, the Bad Brains was mind blowing, you know, because their intensity and how it's something you've never seen before and the meld of rock and reggae, like just, and the intensity and beauty of it all. It was, it was just crazy. You got to play with Roach Motel, right? How many times did you play with them? I get I saw one fly. I guess we did play a reunion and actually um Morbid Opera we played was on that too, because I saw that flyer and it was a Roach Motel reunion. I I don't recall it so much, but I guess we did. Oh, I, oh yeah, I think that one was at the Hogsbrook. I, I do remember that this place in town. It was great always to, I love those guys. I love those guys. Great guys. Crazy, crazy story of band. Like, and poor Rob passed away. I mean, Bob Fetz passed away. Right. Sadly. Um, Cindy in our band who passed away was his girlfriend, which is why we asked her to be in our band because she was her, Bob Fetz's girlfriend. So that made sense to have her in our band, Mother Chicks, because we didn't know anyone else. And 
that seemed logical. Um, and we went up and saw him when he was in this home of not too far from here, uh, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, uh, I forget the Perry, Florida, you know, like institution kind of. We drove there and saw him before he passed away, before both of them passed away, which was crazy. But he was still Bob. Great guy. Yeah. Only had a chance to meet him once at a Roche Motel reunion show. And he was down uh, there uh, in South Florida when they played at, uh, they played in Boynton Beach. Right. Funny guy. Great front person, also. That's very great front person. Totally worked. And especially that was also part of the charm of them. And back then was it was interactive. Like people were throwing beers and yelling, yelling shit at you. That was, that, it was all just one whole thing, which was great and beautiful. And because, uh, you know, Jeff Hodap was a recent guest, do you have any good Jeff Hodap stories? Well, he taught me how to play more beer. He's awesome. He's a Dorian Gray of punk rock. Never ages. Um, great guy. Great guitar player. Truly a good guitar player. Love him. Definitely uh, left his mark and you know, on, on so many great bands he's played with. And, uh, and, everything. and I, don't, I don't know if he's completely done, you know, but uh, he's <laughs> he's left his mark for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I hope he's still playing. Um, whenever they, if they do, like we played with uh, all the V-Words. Piss Test played with them a couple times. Okay. What was that like? Yeah. Oh, it was great fun. It was really cool. We played in down in West Palm, and I think we played here with them, too. It was great. Do you get down to South Florida much these days? Not so much. Um, my mom used to live there. She doesn't live down there anymore. Um, so I don't have so much, whereas, so if I was down there, then I couldn't get out to a show I used to go, but uh, I haven't been down that way in a long time. I would love to. I mean, certainly have been to Churchill's and stuff, never played Churchill's, would love to. Oh, wow. It might be getting close to too late because it's going to yeah, be I know. the word on the streets that it's going to be closing. So. I know, I know. But that is definitely one of the most uh, historic venues down where absolutely i'm glad i got to go to shows for sure uh, so besides what you're doing in piss test uh anything else that you got going on any other any other uh bands or projects that you're kind of working on or perhaps looking to work on in the future no i wish so i would love to be i'm pretty bogged down with piss test right now because of, but i can see where i might need to start doing other stuff although again i would do I'd love to play with other people as well. Um, but again, maybe I should just try to get that book out. The Motley Chicks. That would be awesome. Yeah. What if your daughters came to you one day and said, mom, you want to start a band? Oh, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Hopefully uh, she'll be checking this out and that might be an idea down the road. All right. Yeah, she just had a baby, so maybe once uh, her baby grows up, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard. Although I did it, through, I did it the whole time I had a baby. You know, gotta say, you it can be done. You live to tell the tale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. It's been wonderful getting a chance to chat with you and learn more about your 
musical career and a lot of the bands you played with and a lot of the stories and the people uh, and Piss Test. Great band if you haven't checked them out. And there's also a seven inch that's still available to purchase, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's online. I think you can get it online somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that is true and then uh hopefully a new record to come soon yeah and if you ever see us playing out in your town come see us you'll just, be entertained if nothing else <laughs> just be careful to get too too close to the front you might get a kick okay. <laughs> Uh, as we kind of close out the interview, Deb, uh, I'd like to kind of turn it over to you. Uh, any closing remarks you'd like to share to uh, supporters of yours, fans of the bands you played in? Uh, any last comments? I'll go ahead and turn it over to you to close out the interview. Okay. Well, Jeff, thanks a lot for having me. I'm honored. And uh, thanks to anybody who's ever listened to any kind of music I'm playing and, you know, giving me second chances, which I know I've deserved a lot may or may not have deserved a lot of so I think people who are being kind-hearted and um interested in in what I do that's really cool and appreciative really dig it and I love the punk rock scene and everybody so I, you know I appreciate you keeping it alive and giving people out there the ability to learn about it the history it's good <laughs> 